All right, so we've just gone 12 o'clock. It is Friday, and today is the day where we have an I Love Real Estate Success Story interview. And I've got to say, we're going to wrap up the year with an awesome interview. Um, this gentleman has been involved with the community for quite a while, and uh, he's done some fascinating things, and he's changed, changed his life, and he's also really taking things to a very, very high level. Um, uh, so it's going to be a fascinating interview. Now, one of the things about these I Love Real Estate uh, interviews is to really give you an insight into what you could achieve further down the track. And thanks, Lou, for letting us know. Awesome. What could you achieve when you get yourself involved, take up the training, follow what Dimpler says, and really um, put in place the trainings and the teaching so that you can actually have the successes in your lives as well. And I, this uh, today's interview is going to be very much along those lines of having a look at when you get involved, when you start in the training, when you actually put things in place, what could you achieve? So I'm going to get straight into it today because this is going to be the final one for 2021. Um, and I believe there's going to be just really, really insightful. Uh, this gentleman has been involved with the community, like I said, many, many years. And uh, I'm really, really glad uh, to be able to arrange this so we can actually get him and join us uh, and share his story. Tom, welcome, welcome hey, to the interview. Thanks, Michael. Happy to be here. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know it's been a, you've got a lot of things juggling at the moment. So I really appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time to, 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 to share. Always happy to help, Michael. Good to hear. Good to hear. All right. Now, what I want to do is get straight on into it. And can you give us a bit of an idea? Um, before you joined I Love Real Estate, what was your life like? Like, where were you coming from? And this was this was quite a while ago because you joined back in 2009. Was that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been with the community um, a fair while now. So um coming up to 12 years i guess uh with, with dimpner since i did the very first um my very first course with dimpner um so yeah it's been an epic journey um you know fantastic um uh results that um, i've achieved through both with dimpner and uh, and some other mentors that i've worked with um so you know i guess looking back um where did i where did i start before i um where, where, where the whole story started uh, before I, I joined Dimna. Um, I guess I've always, I've always loved property and I've always had an interest in property. Um, but I think I was very much like uh, a lot of investors um, that, you know, have the, have the um, desire to get an investment property and, and go out and buy pretty much anything because their accountant says, you know, that's a good thing to do. Um, buy something that is losing your money every year so that you can claim it off your tax and reduce your tax bills. So, um, and I don't think I was any different to anyone else in, in that respect. Um, you know, looking back, um, whilst fortunate enough not to have lost any money on any deals, um, there was not a lot of uh, um, insight into things like even, um, you know, the security and the structure of the ownership um, that, that Devna talks about. Um, everything was bought in my own name. Um, you know, every, everything worked uh, and I, as I, said, I didn't lose money on it but um, it was they were far from ideal purchases I guess in terms of um, you know uh, building a portfolio and and um, and having it structured correctly and thinking about um, cash flow rather than losing money so um, you know over the, the process of since doing that um, initial boot camp and and subsequent boot camps with Dimpner um, 
you know, I've worked forward from um, doing what I call, in some respects, scrapper deals, um, which which were good um, and they, they earned money. Um, you know, moving forward to my aim was always to get into property development and, um, you know, the pinnacle of, of uh, real estate investing in terms of generating new product. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I've come from. Um, do, you know, Tom, do you, do, you, do you remember the, the, the event that you went to, that first event when... I do, I do. And, yes. and were you like sitting there going, oh, no, I've done this wrong and I've done that wrong? Oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. <laughs> um, even from the, the one day I did um, initially with, with Dimpner, um, that was in Melbourne. Um, I actually flew down to, to do the, the one day because um, I, I lived in Melbourne for 15 years and I just moved back to, to Newcastle. Um, so I decided to go back down to Melbourne and visit some friends and take the opportunity to, to do the, the one day event. Uh, and out of that, I just, it was just like my, draw, my jaw dropped, you know, it was one of, one of those um, realizations how you'd done everything wrong as, as Dimpner has a habit of being able to make you realize the error of your ways. So, um, so that was, that was great. And then the first boot camp was actually, um, down at, um, Sutherland region, um, uh, of Sydney. I, I can't remember the, uh, the exact, uh, place, but it was, um, it was a small venue down, uh, down in the Sutherland, um, area, mm -hmm. um, uh, down around Cronulla, um, somewhere. Um, so yeah, so it was the first event, first three day event. It just opened my eyes to, you know, to what you could do with property and, um, really, that was the journey uh, moving forward of, of completely rethinking property. And, and I remember to this day, Dimpner saying um, in that three-day event that you'll never look at property the same way again. And I, I never have. Um, you know, I, I've never... I, I just... It puts a completely new set of glasses on in, in terms of the way you look at um, your property investing. Wow, wow. So, so how, how did things change? Like when you, when you first got in there, obviously you go into the, going to the boot camp, things really shifted. What did you do? What, what happened? What were the, what were the changes uh, from your side? Um, yeah, so I started looking, you know, for properties that, um, you know, literally walking out of that with my, my focus was to look at, you know, high cash flow properties. So um, coming back to Newcastle, you know, one of the things that, that Dimpner, said to look at was look at, um, you know, universities, uh, look at areas around universities. Um, Newcastle has got a massive university, as you, as you know. Um, so from an infrastructure point of view, you know, we're well served by um, educational facilities. So, so there, it, there was a real opportunity around um, Newcastle University to, to look at rooming accommodation there. So um, I bought my first place there, um, literally within a couple of months of finishing the course. Um, did a quick reno on that, cosmetic reno on that, um, with the view of putting more rooms on the back. Um, and, you know, that, that was turning, that was um, cash flow straight off the bat, um, literally after I bought it. Mind you, I bought that thing for $310,000. So, um, you know, it was a very, very cheap entry into the market um, for, for rooming accommodation. Um, whilst I was actually doing the reno on that property, um, the guy from next door um, just walked in uh, and he said, oh, are you interested in buying my house? So I said, oh, maybe. Um, so uh, we had a look at that one, just worked out, you know, whether it would work. Um, and we ended up buying that one um, next door as well. So, 
Um, yeah, so, you know, it's things, when you start doing things and when you get your head in that space, um, you know, opportunities just flow um, and they do, they do flow. Um, so that's, a, that's you, a fascinating point of view because it's like, I was just going to ask you that if you found that once you start to get into a deal, other, other things actually appear. Absolutely, um, absolutely, Michael. And I've found that in property development as well. You know, when, when you're in the market, when you're looking for deals, uh, you know, you tend to get so many opportunities um, just pop up and, and literally, um, you know, we just, we did, um, we've just uh, exchanged recently on a development site in Newcastle. Um, and honestly, within the last six weeks, I've been offered about six or seven sites um, in the Newcastle area. Not, not all of them work, obviously, but um, I'm working with, with two other um, different students on, you know, on both of those developments. One, um, one, which we've just exchanged on at um, in Newcastle, which is for a townhouse site, um, working closely with um, with uh, you know a student of, of Dimpner's who's who's done a lot of work and was part of the um, the finalists in the uh, in the recent super conference. So um, you know, very uh, very talented guy in his own right. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into that project. Interesting, interesting. I've got I've got to say it, it is one of those things that Dimpner's mentions, but it's like until you experience it. You don't know it's it's working. It's like what it, it, it's, it's it's the RAS system, isn't it? It's like you know you never see any yellow BMWs, but as soon as you go, you know what? I want yeah. to buy myself a yellow BMW. They are everywhere. It's that exact it's more, same. More of attraction, yeah. I think you know once yep. once you get yourself into that mindset, um, you'll be amazed at what happens. Um, it, it's it's just getting yourself to being in that position where you start you start taking some risks, and you know like anything. It, you know, property is, is um, has an element of risk about it, um, but until you start taking some risks, um, you know, in that in that space, and and I guess ignoring um, some of the bad news stories in the media, um, and, and just focusing on where you want to be and you know your goals, uh, then things will start flowing out of that, and and I can attest to that. Um, you know, I had. Um, an example, Michael, um, where I was driving, I was working at a, a charity organisation and I was driving past um, a place on the main road, which I could see was separated into three separate units. Um, as an, it was quite a rundown old place. Um, and I, I used to drive past this thing every day for you know six months. And I used to say to myself, if that thing ever comes onto the market, I'll buy that. Um, and I kept driving past it, kept driving past it. And one day a for sale sign appeared out front. So as soon as I got to work, straight on the phone to the agent and I said, I'll meet you there at midday. Um, so I met her there at midday and I put an offer in after looking through the place. It was pretty run down, but I could see the potential in it. Um, and they accepted the offer on it. And um, yeah, I got that one. So, uh, you, you know, that's just kind of wishing things into your um, into your life. And, you know, the, the more you do that, the, the more likely it's going to happen. Out of interest, how long, how long before when you saw the sign to when you had it under contract how long was that period um, of time a day and a half so like 36 hours yeah yeah yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> but Often but you had yeah. but you had gone past it for a whole lot of time setting it up in your mind before that boom yeah. it just it just happens straight away yeah love Absolutely. it yeah love every it. day love like it. i'd go past that place every day and i'd look over uh, and i and i saw the opportunity with three separate dwellings um, Every day I drive past it, and I just kept saying to myself, "If that pops up, I'll buy it." Yep. So you've already already got the area expert hat on. Yeah. As soon as you see it, yeah, yeah, love it, love it, man. Hey, um, 
Tom, what's what's what part of Dipna's programs kind of most impacted you? Uh, I think um, you know having um, the, the initial three day conference just completely changed my mind on how to invest and you know what sort of deals to look for. Uh, rather than looking at a property and, and thinking, okay, I just have to buy a property because you know it, it's a good it's a good property to buy, and eventually it'll make me some money, you know, ten years down the track with capital growth. Um, I mean that you can't say the same over the last year, but um, you know, if we go back to normality and um, you know back to from when I started um, looking at you know cash flow properties in 2010, um, you know, capital growth wasn't that rapid, and particularly Newcastle, Newcastle was not that rapid. Um, it suffered um, you know low capital growth for a lot of years. It was only really when it started um, its boom um, in kind of 2016 that property prices really started taking off. So. You know, to buy something for capital growth in Newcastle um, wasn't particularly a great investment. Um, it, it is now, um, had you bought back then. Um, so, you know, for me, it was about buying the right property and, and buying an opportunity where I could add value to the property. And so things like manufactured growth, um, you know, that where there's uh, potential in a property, um, looking at a property, for example, I, I just, well, a year ago in the middle of COVID, I purchased um, in, in a regional town in um, the Hunter Valley. Um, that was right in the middle of COVID. And I found a place um, that was a corner block. Uh, I knew it had two lots um, already. What I didn't know was it actually had two titles as well. So um, it was basically an old system title, but it had two valid titles uh, that I could literally turn around the day after I bought it and sell off the back block, um, which was wow. a completely vacant block of land, um, you know, and the subdivision was already done effectively. So it's about identifying those opportunities uh, where there's potential in a block of land rather than just buying you know, a straight block of land um, that has little or no potential to, to do manufactured growth on. Um, so, uh, so I'll turn the, the front block of that one into an Airbnb, uh, which we've literally um, today, we're getting our first guests in on that property. Uh, and the back block um, now is, is probably worth, you know, around $320,000, um, which was just a free carry um, through, the, through the process. So um, I'm now looking at potentially doing um, another one or two places on that back block, um, you know, to add, add to cash flow properties. Wow, wow, love it. Uh, now, do we have a question here from Lou? Uh, Tom, have you considered contacting the owner direct, wondering if you were keen, why wait for it to come on the market? Um, that's a good question. Um, I'm, not the, I'm not the kind of um, knock on the door kind of guy. Um, I guess I'm probably a little shy in that respect. Um, it was, it was just an interesting story, uh, you know, just purely because of what I'd set up in my own mind um, and, you know, that, that kind of law of attraction kind of thing. So it was, it was more a story about that. Um, you know, there's probably, there's probably more chance of me actually doing um, a door knock or a letter drop now. Um, not that I do. I, I tend to kind of rely on my agent network to, to kind of help me out um, finding deals for property development. Um, but yeah, like, you know, if that's, if that's um, a thing that you can do and you can do confidently and by all means, you know, whatever it takes really to, to you know, to get your next deal. 
Mm, yeah, cool. Uh, now, t Tom, you've, you've done platinum, haven't you? Uh, I haven't done platinum, no. Oh, you no. haven't? Okay. No. All right. Okay, cool. No, I, um, you came in as an ultimate student? Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've stayed, you know, I've stayed in um, ultimate and I've refreshed over multiple boot camps um, because every time I go back, you know, I always pick up a little um, gold nugget um, that you can take away. So, you know, keeping keeping connected with the community. Um, and also I, I jump on Facebook and I try and answer as many questions as I can, you know, to help people out with um, with with questions that they have. Uh, I, I like to try and post stuff as well, just to kind of give people some inspiration in terms of, you know, there are deals out there. Um, don't think there's never a deal out there. Um, you know, there's always another deal out there. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the right one. Um, but, you know, the longer you spend researching, um, looking in your area, um, you know, the likelihood of, and, and getting to know, getting to know your, your local agents, um, keeping, keeping a good rapport with those agents, keeping a good relationship with those agents. And in fact, the deal we just got um, in, uh, in Newcastle, that was Peter actually just having a good rapport with an agent um, who, who'd actually gazumped him on a previous deal, um, but came back to him because Peter just kept a, you know, good relationship um, with that particular agent and that agent brought, brought the deal to us. Mm. So, you know, relationships are really important, keeping connected with the community. It, it doesn't matter how small your success is. Um, you know, I see some fantastic posts on um, Facebook of people who have just been inspired to even just renovate their PPR, get some equity uplift, and then use that equity uplift to, you know, to move into other deals. So it can start with your own backyard. Um, literally, you can add value to your own property. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Great point, great point. Uh, Tom, did you want to kind of take us through um, some of the deals with how they've turned out from a profit side of things as well? Because yeah, you've, sure. you, you've done a variety of things. I mean, from what I understand, you've done the short-term rental, you've done student accommodation, strata subdivisions, multiple um, townhouse developments as well. Um, yeah. Do you want to take us through some of those and, and give us an idea of how they've stacked up? Yeah, sure. Um, so probably my very first property development um, deal was um, wasn't wasn't a small one like normally people start out with a four pack um, so I bought a, um, a 1200 square meter block um, in a suburb that was close to the university but it wasn't specifically um, designed to be you know student accommodation or anything like that um, but it ended up being an eight townhouse development um, and it was an interesting block um, because it, it kind of defied all the logic of you know what people say uh, about your development block, which should be as flat as possible, sloped to the road, um, services at the front. So this block sloped to the back, um, quite steep, um, had a sewer line going across it, had a hunter water easement out the back. Um, but just you know, just through um, through using a good architect, we were able to achieve you know an eight townhouse yield on that on that um, particular block. Um, we. We had a couple of issues that we had to resolve. Um, one was um, sewer. Um, obviously, sewer needs to flow um, with gravity. Um, so two important things to get off the site is sewer and, and stormwater. Um, so if you can't manage to get those off effectively, it's, it's not a development site. Um, so the, the sewer line for this particular site ran right through the middle of the block, um, about halfway down the block. So. Um, the solution that we came up with for that was we ended up, all well, the architects came up with it, um, was a massive tank um, that was buried down uh, about six metres and 
we gravity fed the bottom four units into that tank um, and then that get, gets pumped up um, via a, a pump into the actual sewer line so the sewer line was just sitting above it um, so you know there's there's engineering solutions around a lot of problems um, people kind of find blocks uh, and they go oh there's a sewer line running across it's no good well that's not actually true I mean if you check with you know utilities um, and you find out what's actually possible um, you can actually turn a, a development what would appear to be a non-development site into a development site um, so the other the other challenge with that site was we had to get the stormwater off um, and to do that we had to run over to um, uh, an easement that was owned by utility hunter water and then we had to take a pipe out onto uh, rms land so there was a freeway running out the back so we had to transverse and run across um, the verge of a freeway and, and empty into a, um, an RMS asset, um, uh, the the uh, the pit at the uh, off the highway. So, so we had to do a whole bunch of stormwater calculations for that um, and get that um, approved. So we had to get it approved through two authorities um, just to get our stormwater off the site. But we we did it, you know, um, just perseverance and and there's challenges pop up all the time. Um, but now, just, now, Tom, just 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 to clarify here, this is your first deal. Yeah. First development, probably development. Uh, okay, right, right. Didn't right. Says, don't, don't go too big to start with. No, but this I, is I, your... wouldn't, <laughs> I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. I, you know, try and find something that's um, that's relatively flat, um, slopes to the road, um, ticks all the boxes from a from a development standpoint. Um, it, it had its challenges, but the good thing about it was, for me, you know, it set me up with a mindset of, you know, you, you can pretty much turn most blocks into something um, from a development standpoint so long as you know you can you can get the yield on the on the site that makes it worthwhile so yeah. um, a lot of engineering challenges you can overcome yeah awesome so and that would have given you a stack of experience along with the confidence as well to be able to just to mm -hmm. any other site you'd, you'd you'd be very well set up uh, how did that stack up from a from a profit side of things yeah, that was that was really good. Um, so this is this is going back a number of years. Um, you know that that project. I think we pulled out five hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in profit out of that deal. Um, we we sold we sold all of the, the properties. And my one mistake was um, I ended up um, keeping one of the properties. Uh, you know, and um, didn't always says don't don't invest in townhouses necessarily um but it was my product I, I ended up selling it um because it was again it was just in a low capital growth area so i'm um, kind of lesson learned out of that and you know i've honed and fine-tuned um where I, I would keep property and where i wouldn't keep property um even if it's townhouse product you know there is there's areas that you would uh, most definitely keep it from a capital growth point of view um but yeah a lot of learning lessons uh, on that one um, you know, but it still it still worked out to be a very very good good project. Awesome, awesome. Um, and what came next after that? Um, so then um, had a couple more projects, um, a, a, a four townhouse project, um, six townhouse projects. Uh, so both of those were run pretty much um, at the same time. Um, so that that was interesting. So. We, one of them, the four townhouse project, uh, we'd, we'd actually bought the site ourselves, but the six townhouse project was actually a JV arrangement with the uh, with the landowner. And plus we also had investors involved in the, the project as well. So um, that was interesting in that the deal was uh, one townhouse back to the owner. 
Um, so that was the, and, and some cash. Um, so that was the payment for the site. Um, so we, uh, we, we paid a cash deposit, um, which paid out, there was, there was two brothers that basically owned the site. So one of the brothers took the cash and one of the brothers took the townhouse. Um, you can tell who the smarter mm-hmm. brother was. Um, yep. And it wasn't the one that took the cash. Um, <laughs> so, and then we, we, we pulled in two investors as well. Um, so to, to fund, help fund the equity um, into the deal. So it was, it was an interesting project as well because the council, um, one of the council planning instruments was just about to change as well. Um, so we had to kind of get the DA up and running and into council by um, a, a drop dead. The process in, um, I think it was like late March or something like that. So, you know, time was of the essence. Um, we really pushed hard on, on getting the design and it was a really, um, it was a really good design actually. Um, so we've, we eventually got it through. We were kind of um, a little concerned um, for a while because we didn't think we were going to get the yield um, because of visitor car park requirements. Um, for the six townhouses in Newcastle, that would have required uh, two visitors' car parks on site. Um, and we had two requests for information back from the council. Uh, and in the end, we, we kind of compromised on a couple of other things. And in the end, they gave us an exemption on the visitor, second visitors' car park um, because it was a high growth precinct. So they wanted development in that area. Um, so that was like literally a couple of days before Christmas, um, a few years back, um, that we got that DA approved. So it was the best Christmas present ever because, uh, you know, had we not got six townhouses, we would have been in all sorts of strife with um, giving one one townhouse back to, to you know, to, um, to the owners. So yeah. um, we got it through. Um, and then we had some challenges with the builders on that project as well. Um, that, that project went a lot longer than it was supposed to. So, you know, so it, it, it's inherently risky doing um, uh, property development projects, um, but it's, you know, it's, if you can, if you can manage those risks um, and, and a lot of that's, you know, there's build risk, um, weather risk, obviously, uh, and there's market risk, I guess, that, although that doesn't really come into Oh, and looks what we might have frozen, Tom. Not too sure if you can hear us. Looks like we're having a bit of internet internet issue. You lost him. He's frozen. He's frozen and stuck in a bit of a spot. Not have a bad connection here, Mike. No, I can hear you now. Still looking like you're in one frozen spot. Uh, Okay, so look, um, I'm hoping that Tom will get back to us very soon. What I've got to say, um, first deal. Oh, okay. So it looks like Tom's dropped off. I'm sure he's going to just jump back on straight on. Um, so let's just hang hang tight. But I've got to say, it's a, it's a, a pretty fascinating start when his first deal is an eight townhouse development. Next one he does, here he is, he's back. Um, it's uh, a four, four townhouse and another six townhouse as well. Um, and spotlight. You're back. Oh, you're now you just muted. I think you just got to unmute. There we go. We're back. You're so back. My, Excellent. Um, 
I'm upstairs in my house and the internet is not particularly great in this back room, so I apologise for that. No problems, no problems. I was just kind of just, just describing it's probably not the best idea to, to, to dive off into an eight townhouse development and then a four townhouse development and then a six townhouse development yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but oh, you... no, no, the, the four and the six were the same time, the eight, the eight wasn't. Um, yep. Yeah, look, always, you know, always do what you can manage. Um, financially uh you know you've got to you've got to weigh up your risk in terms of um you know what what capacity do you have to commit to a project what funds do you have to commit to a project um and, and a level of risk obviously so you know some people have got a higher le level of risk tolerance and can manage you know multiple projects at a time but um yeah yep. i tend to kind of try and keep it to one or two at a time <laughs> good good so how, how did it stack up from it from a like the full uh, townhouse and the six townhouse how did it go from a from a, a profit side of things once you'd obviously passed over the house you've got the house yeah. to one brother the cash to another brother how did it yeah. stack up for you yeah no it was good um despite the fact that we had some problems with you know builders um that was that was a, a profitable project as well we paid out our investors exactly in fact we paid them out more than um than we'd we'd estimated we would have paid them out so they were really happy so we had happy investors mm -hmm. um yep you know we got out what what we expected out of the project as well uh <clears throat> pardon me so you know so um all around that was that was a good project it was stressful at times um but that that's part and parcel of you know doing property development um and the four townhouse project it was it was great as well um one of the secrets of good property development is buying well um and you know i think Dimper says that as well it, you know you you can make a lot of your money in in the purchase um, of a site. So, um, you know, if you can get something that's under market value, um, you know, you're you're immediately ahead of the game um, from a valuation point of view and from an end profit point of view. Um, so, you know, buying well is is extremely important in property development. Mm -hmm. and, and Tom, it seems like you're you're going down the path of uh, chunk deals as opposed mm -hmm. to cash flow. Yeah, is that is that is that your uh, initial yeah. strategy that you're moving into? Um, both, both, Michael. Um, so you know, adding to adding, adding to portfolio um, whenever possible. Like you know, the Airbnb is an example. Um, so that that's uh, we've just finished. It's a high end Airbnb. Um, so we've just got our booking uh, first booking, and you know that was a thousand dollars for two nights. So. So it's kind of the high end, um, high end market um, because we we identified an opportunity in that market. Um, there, there was not a lot of high end accommodation in that area, um, so we we identified from the start that that's what we were going to do. Um, so we're starting to get um, some some good bookings now. You know, at, at the upper end of um, of uh, you know the Airbnb market. So so that's good. Um, but also you know. Um, I love doing property development, so you know I'll keep in, keep finding sites and, and keep doing property development deals, despite despite what the media um, keeps coming up with. I just I just read another story today. Um, you know, someone's predicting as soon as RBA rates start going up, the market's going to drop fifteen to twenty percent within the first um, hundred basis points. So, I mean, if you if you listen to that sort of noise, um, you, you're going to sit on your hands and you're not going to do anything. Um, yeah. You know, obviously. Uh, weigh up your risks and um, you know weigh up where you want to be. But um, I, I try to I try to avoid the noise. Um, had I believed that I wouldn't have purchased last year, um, where the predictions were you know thirty percent down. Um, what happened? It went thirty percent up, so they were sixty percent wrong. Um, 
you know so yeah. um yeah you know there's there's a deal there's a deal in any market um really it's just a matter of, of finding that deal you've got a really creative and and uh kind of viewpoint on a lot of things as well being able to solve problems and also uh not get not get distracted by the noise as well mm. which is um, yeah which is i guess you know um our brains are inherently wired to be slightly negative that's what kind of keeps us alive um but you can take that to the next level and read all the news and live in constant fear um i think you, you kind of need to step away from that step aside and, and just focus on what you want to achieve, um, you know, in your lifetime and, and through your property journey um, and try and just take, um, and, and news will play all of that stuff up. That's their job. You know, that's their job is to make things sound worse than it is. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And look on that point as well, um, Susie's asked a question here. Uh, it sounds like the target, tenants are students i think that was for the uh, airbnb which you've just clarified as well uh but she said does COVID have an impact uh to the earnings these last two years i, I ended up selling those properties um so um i identified that that market was really starting to get saturated so two things um in around that particular university one it was getting saturated um with rooming houses and two what was happening was the uni was building its own in-house accommodation. And secondly, developers were starting to build around the perimeter of the university on vacant blocks, um, building custom, um, you know, student accommodation. So brand new, brand new um, products uh, with students could have their own room rather than sharing a you know, room with 10 other students. So, um, so I could see the writing on the wall um, for student accommodation in that area. Um, so, I kind of got out at a good time, um, sold that property, and uh, I know it was sold and on sold another two or three years later, and they'd only managed to get another twenty thousand dollars in capital uplift on it, so it wouldn't even cover their stamp duty on that on that property. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so you, you, you've got to be tuned into what's happening in your market, and that's obviously being, you know, being an area expert and knowing your market. Um, so that as soon as things start to change, um, and, and some of this specialty accommodation or specialty real estate, um, you, you need to make a call to say, you know, is this sustainable? Um, is this going to be a risk to me in the future? Um, and, you know, if necessary, offload um, properties that, you know, potentially uh, aren't going to serve you well in the future. Mm, absolutely. Okay, great. Uh other deals tom have you got some others that you're you're, you're keen to share or are you happy to share um yeah I, I think um that one in regional um just up in the hunter valley that was that's a good um you know that was a good um case in point so again it was two lots um i purchased the, the entire block for six twenty thousand, um and then subsequently found out um from my solicitor that it actually had two titles, so a, a title across both blocks, um, which immediately just added value to that back block. Um, and, and it just it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, agents don't necessarily pick up on these things and vendors mm -hmm. don't necessarily pick up on these things um, uh, because had they had they known, they could have easily got another $150,000 um, for that property um, by selling the back block separately with the front block. But 
it was a it was a, um, a deceased estate. It had been for twelve months, and there was three or four siblings involved in you know in probate and getting the place sold. So I think they just wanted sold, and they just wanted to split the money. So they weren't interested in uh-huh. trying to sell a back block and a front block separately. Um, they just wanted it sold. And again, it was you know this is what education brings. It brings that knowledge that when you see two lots, you know you've got immediate you've got an immediate opportunity there because the block is already in two lots. So, um, you know, so straight away, there's an opportunity to do something on that block that wouldn't otherwise be there. Um, but then to find out that it actually had two titles as well was was icing on the cake. Um, and I found that out through my solicitor after we'd exchanged. So, you oh, know, wow. there's, no going, wow. there's no going back from uh, for, for the vendors um, from, from that point of view. Yeah. Um, so I, I did a fairly extensive renovation on the, the front front house basically rebuilt the front house um uh not myself um i had had guys helping me mm-hmm. um and i'm just working on with clint at the moment to rebel and get um the equity back out of that that front house so just as a comparable uh, one diagonally opposite me in the same street um that hasn't had a reno done recently um that just sold for 925 so you know conservatively that that house is probably a, um, my house is probably nine hundred to nine hundred and fifty thousand, mm-hmm. and then the block wow. out yep. the back is worth three hundred thousand dollars. So, um, on a cost base of around eight sixty, and I, I think I shared this one on um, uh, on the Facebook site. Uh, on a cost base of eight sixty, um, you know that that property is now um, valued at about one point two five. Um, you know, just by virtue of well, a couple of things, um, manufactured growth, um, market movement, obviously, has had a, a big impact on that. Um, but also, you know, having the, the second lot and the second title, um, you know, that, that, that's worth money straight away. Um, that means you're saving money on doing a subdivision. So, you know, there's probably fifty dollars to $70,000 saved uh, on doing a subdivision. Um, so that, so that, that eight sixty, I think you were saying, is a cost in. That, that includes that extensive reno. On yeah, the 620, yeah, yeah, okay, so that's cost right. based property. Um, yeah, you know, so there, there's no doubt, um, Michael, that you know, there's been a, a, a fair amount of market uplift in that. Um, but we're, yeah. we're talking close to an equity uplift of nearly four hundred thousand dollars, um, in 12 months. Um, wow, property, so wow. yeah, uh, that's not all market. Um, I know that for sure, you know, in that area. Right, nice one, nice one, hey. Yeah, if they, those deals came along um, every day of the week, you'd be pretty happy. Um, you know, it does take a bit of finding uh, and a bit of research, but you know, that's that's where research is such an important um, it's such an important tool, and, and just knowing your area. Um, so when something like this pops up, you can go, yeah, that that'll work. Um, you know, and, and you can have a crack at it. I literally walked into that place and walked out and made an offer on the front doorstep um, on the day I looked at it, and then there was a bit of argy barge. Yes, there always is. You know, over the next week. Um, and the funny thing, actually, Michael, um, just going back to, you know, the law of attraction, this is how uncanny this was. So my final offer I made on that, I typed it in my phone, um, ready to send off to the agent. I was just talking to my wife about it and she said, oh, just don't, don't send anything. Just let him come back to you. And I literally put my phone down on my lap. And as I put it down on my lap, I heard this, you know, when you send a text, it sent a text off to the agent with another with my revised offer. So, so it was like it was meant to be, you know. And um, and he came back that afternoon. He said the vendors accepted your offer. Um, 
so you know like little things in life happen like that um that it's it's almost like the universe is talking to you and saying yep that's the right deal for you yep get into it yeah yeah so yeah i mean you know trust your intuition on things um obviously research and do your due diligence but you know occasionally there's um you know there's a stroke of luck in everything yeah yeah i'm starting to hear that a little bit more the more we're talking the more these kind of things are lining up and you know you talk about putting in the you know the due diligence and being the market expert but there's a there's a there's another aspect that that adds on to that absolutely is yeah that yeah. whole process as well which is which and, is and particularly when your mind is in the you know your mindset's in the frame of property and thinking about property yeah um, you know that that's the sort of thing that 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 happens yeah Tom, have you got a bit of a bit of a, or you're happy to share a little bit of an overview of where you started and where you are? Because I mean, you've done you've done multiple multiple deals now, um, and you've obviously done very very well in that. Mm-hmm. How are you positioned from when you started to where you are now? What, what kind of changeover um, have you achieved? Yeah, look, um, you know, for me, um, I, I don't do property full time. I, I do actually, um, I, I do like to. Do a bit of work as well. I do some consulting work as well. So um, I, I kind of gear my life around how I want my life to be um, in terms of you know time availability and all that sort of stuff. So um, I, I, ironically, I'm actually working with a council. I'm working with um, City of Newcastle at the moment. So um, and I work quite like, quite closely with um, with the the planning section, which is good. Um, yeah, don't get anything misconstrued about um, getting anything um, as a free ride because that just doesn't happen. But um, it gives me a lot of insight into how the process works, um, you know, and how, you know, development applications go through council. So I find that really interesting um, as background for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I live um up near the beaches in newcastle um so i'm I'm close to the beaches um bought at the right time up here um this market has exploded up this end of of newcastle um with you know sydney siders moving in and buying properties um in newcastle um i own i own my ppr outright um and you know i've got i'm lucky enough to have um the equity in that in this property to be able to do deals um you know property development deals so um, you know, that having that, I guess, that financial capability, um, you know, is a good thing, but it, it, it shouldn't necessarily stop you from, you know, getting involved in, in property. There is so many opportunities um, out there. And as I found out, there's so much money out there, um, you know, that, that people are willing to lend um, to help you, you know, do the deals that, that you want to do, um, you know, provided they're good deals and, and provided, you know, you can prove your... Um, you know your credibility to to an investor so you know it's um not having not having funds i've got to say it's probably easier having funds and and being able to do deals but it it certainly shouldn't be um you know i I went through that process where um, i had to borrow every dollar to buy properties um Mm -hmm. you know to to kind of having enough equity now to to be able to invest into deals and and move forward so um yeah it's a mix of mix of um, both, Mike, I, I work, you know, I work the days I want to work um, with the council. Um, so, you know, I've, got, I've kind of got time that I can spend with my family um, and also do my property property deals. So um, it's, it's certainly, you know, just just through doing property deals has, um, has made my life, you know, a lot, um, a lot more enjoyable, I guess, in, in terms mm. of, you know, time availability. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like, I love doing 
things on property deals. So, you know, I don't, I don't see that as a time imposition on me at all. Um, yeah. as I said, you know, just before the interview, I, I was supposed to, supposed to be an architect um, this afternoon, but um, I've had a few things pop up. So just push that to next week. But, um, you know, that's one of my priorities at this stage. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, now, you've probably, but with, with what you've done over the years, did you want to share, like, you know, often we hear from students, it's like, well, you know, what happens when things go wrong? You know, hear a lot of the good stories and so forth. But I know that with anything when it comes to investing, and I know that you're, you're, you've got a, you've got your head wrapped around the whole area of, of taking very much a calculated risk. But things don't always turn out. And there's, no, you have to be very creative in your solutions, which is what you've described. Have you got a bit of a problem or an issue that you can kind of think, you know what, you're happy to share in regards to uh, what happened for you and yeah. how you dealt with that? Yeah, so... Um, I, I acquired a site um, in a suburb in Newcastle um, and I was in a rush and I didn't do all my due diligence properly. Um, I thought I had things covered, but I didn't drill down enough on some of the detail. Um, so this area is known uh, pretty much for its mine subsidence. Um, it's one of the earliest places in Newcastle that mining and it did mining at very shallow depths. So, you know, we're talking depths of um, 10 to 15 metres. So, um, uh, so I rushed in, I bought this property at auction, which again is, you know, um, if I can provide any advice, it's don't buy stuff at auction unless you very, very have to. Um, always try and, you know, go in the order of off market, on market, um, private treaty, and then if you have to go to auction, um, you know, but try and uh, try and work with your agents to get off market deals um, so I bought this thing at auction um, then I started doing a bit of detailed due diligence on it because um, I planned to do like five six townhouses on this site it was a thousand square meter site and pretty quickly worked out that it was never going to happen um, and there was no other real good exit strategies for the property at all um, you know which is really really unusual for me not to have another exit strategy um, so whether that's uh, it was it was a crappy old house on it. Um, it was mildly flood affected as well. Um, that wasn't too bad. We could have got around that, but the mine subsidence, as I found out, was 15 metres below the ground. Um, wow. So to do any kind of development on that site uh, would have taken you know us to grout that entire site, which um, which would have been a really costly exercise and would have killed the the financials on the project. So I kind of I was stuck. Um, and as fortune had it. Um, this property had an 84-day settlement, which is really unusual. Um, like normally in New South Wales, it's 28, 35, 42-day settlement. This, this property had an 84-day settlement. So I had 84 days to kind of try and work out how I could um, jump out of this deal, you know. Um, so I took it to my solicitor and um, he went through the contract and we looked at a couple of things, um, you know, whether there was any... Um, structures that were built on site that weren't council approved and whether we could, you know, um, rescind the contract. Uh, and he found one clause in the contract. And I don't recommend this to, to any student, really. I mean, you know, my advice is to always see your, your due diligence up front and make sure you do, do it well. Um, so he found one clause in the contract, um, which was an opportunity to, you know, to get out of that contract um, by liquidating the company that we, we purchased it in. So, it also highlights the um, the need to have very good experts around you um, in terms mm -hmm. of you know the people that you work with, accountants, um, lawyers, 
of solicitors, um, you know, all your property development people, engineers, civils, architects, um, have a really good team around you because you never know when you might need them. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was pretty stressful. Um, you know, knowing you're on the hook for a property that there was really no exit strategy for. Um, so we ended up managing to get out of it and rescinding the contract um, legally. And um, in good faith, I you know I paid um, some money. I, I didn't have to, um, but in good faith, I, I I did pay them some money. Um, you know, so you know, just walking out of a deal and yeah, you, you might've had a moral victory, but you've got to think, you know, there is another side to this transaction, um, you know, so cover agents fees and all that sort of stuff, you know, I left some money in the deal to them. Um, but, you know, we were legally able to get out of that, um, that particular deal, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a stressful couple of months, you know, trying to work out, navigate how to, to get out of it. Um, if there was any other way that I could have made that, project work I would have um, even as a you know the house was was not in good shape um, so it was meant to be bulldozed um, so that you know there was really no saving grace in terms of saving the house and, and doing something with the house um, so you know if there was if it was an opportunity to do something I would have done it. Knowing what you've described over the last you know almost an hour and knowing how creative you are at, at solving problems I, I could imagine you would have looked at every option so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, we um, we looked at subdivision. We looked at um, you know every possible um, way, and and uh, we just kept coming to a dead end on on every option. Um, you know, so mine subsides literally had the the big rubber mallet at the end of it and said, "No, nope, you can't do that. No, nope, you can't do that. No, you can't do that." You know, um, so the option was either grout the site, um, which if you know about grouting um, and you know about mine workings, um, if if your mine workings collapsed. Um, you can pump grout in and it just solidifies. It's like throwing cement onto wheat mix. Um, but if there's a cavity there uh, and the mine working still open, the grout just keeps flowing until it stops. Now that could be under your neighbor's house. It could be under your, you know, two doors uh, down. Um, okay, so, yeah. um, so you could be pumping hundreds of thousands of dollars of grout into a site um, that doesn't, doesn't warrant um, and doesn't have the financials to support that. Um, you know, if it's a, if it's a multi, level high rise, um, sure. Um, and they do a lot of that around, uh, you know, Newcastle city CBD, um, but we're talking, you know, 15 story apartment blocks that can support, um, you know, the cost of grouting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Wow. Fascinating. Hey, how stunning. Well, yeah, okay. and, and then, and then having your professionals around you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's so important. Um, so yeah. important to have a good team around you. And, uh, you know, the important thing is if you use the make sure, um, you know, I kind of say to some of the guys that I'm working with, make if you if you're using them, make sure you feed them as well. Um, you know, if you if you're kind of getting people to um, do engineering or uh, even town planning stuff, um, you know, make sure you turn around and use those guys when you when you actually um, have a deal because um, you want to keep all those guys on your side and, and working mm. for you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Tom, we have a, a question here from Lou. Lou's asked, Tom, advice is often saying learn the town plan when looking at a totally new council how would you define what that means and where to start yeah that's no, a good question um, <clears throat> one of the biggest biggest things to learn in the property development field is um, you know what what are the guidelines in your local area or what are the guidelines within that LGA that local government area um, so uh, in New South Wales, and I'm speaking, you know, most of my stuff's um, in New South Wales, so I can really only speak intelligently about um, 
New South Wales, but I suspect, um, you know, most councils have the same arrangement. So there's normally a local environmental plan, uh, an LEP. So each council will have an LEP, um, which, which um, is a statute that, that um, defines, you know, guidelines for development, for um, zones, um, for, you know, the various things that you can do within um, a parcel of land um, and the zoning that applies to that parcel of land. So things like build height, um, floor space ratio, um, zoning, um, all those sort of things, you know, all fall within uh, an LEP. Uh, and then you have a supplementary document called a design control plan um, or a development control plan, DCP. So that that is more a subjective uh, guideline for councils to use to say, you know, what are the setbacks from the boundaries? Um, you know, what's the build form on the property? Um, you know, how many, what's my ceiling height in the lower level of the townhouse? All, all those sort of things, you know, how far, what's classified as landscaping and what's not classified as landscaping. So those two documents are probably the primary two documents that a, a, an assessing officer will use to determine a DA. Now, the quickest way, um, yeah, sure, you can get your head around all of that stuff. And trust me, it's a lot of reading and it's a lot of absorbing. Or you can just go to a town planner. So your town planner is the person that will know those things back to front and will have done hundreds or thousands of, of developments using those two instruments. So, um, you know, if you want a shortcut knowing all of that information, um, engage yourself a good town planner um, that works in your area and work with those guys because they'll tell you that stuff pretty quickly um, rather than you trying to guess it or interpret it. Um, again, it's the, it's the benefit of having a good team around you um, and a good town planner. And uh, what you generally find is that most design houses or architects will have a town planner that they work closely with anyway. Mm. So if, you know, if you're looking for that, um, you know, we've, we've got a great one-stop shop in Newcastle um, where I can take a site to um, this particular place and they will do a yield plan for me, a massing plan to work out what can fit on the site. Then they'll throw it out to the town planner and the town planner will make comment on it and say, oh yeah, I think, you know, um, solar's fine, setback's fine, um, you know, all, all uh, orientation of the build form, all that sort of stuff is okay. Um, so I then get confidence back from that to say, okay, I think we can get four townhouses on that site. It's a pretty good bet. Uh, you've got to remember these guys have done it hundreds, if not thousands of times. So mm, mm. they look at a site and go, this is a 14 hour site. It's not guaranteed, but you know, you, you've got a level of confidence in you to go forward and say, okay, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I get four townhouses on this site because the town planner said it, the architect said it. Um, whereas if you're trying to work through LEPs and DCPs by yourself, um, trying to interpret those, understand setbacks, um, build form, council requirements, and also the town planners get to know the council and they get to know the assessing officers because they have meetings with these guys. So they know, you know, what individual assessing officers want or want, you know, what they want to see in, in design. So, um, you know, that's that would be my advice is just get a, get a good town planner. Well, yeah, awesome. Awesome. So, Tom, how is your life different now? to when you first started? Um, vastly different um, from a property journey. Uh, I would have never dreamed um, of, I would have ended up doing property development. Um, yeah, I was always, I've done 14 renovations, um, you know, through my life. So I'm, I'm quite experienced at doing renovations and mm -hmm. I quite like doing it actually, because um, I, I 
I love the whole value add component of renovations, and I think they're a great, a great thing. Um, and you know, for anyone that doesn't want to take a step into into property development, I think renovations are a, a great, a great thing um, because you can add value so quickly, um, you know, to to a, and with minimal risk. So, whereas you know, property development, you're you're taking potentially in some cases a perfectly good house that's sitting on a block and knocking it over, and developing. Um, you know, new product on that, which can inherently um, have risk associated with it. Whereas if you've got an existing house uh, that's on the block um, that you can clean up, um, you know, do some cosmetic renovations on it, even structural if you want, um, you know, that's, that's perfect opportunity to lower your risk and, you know, still have manufactured growth. So, you know, my background is, is, has been doing a lot of renos. Um, I think, um, I still will do, you know, the odd reno, um, but, you know, property development for me is, um, is a lot less taxing on my body, that's for sure. So it's, uh, you know, it's, um, it's less involvement, intense involvement, um, and it, it gives me more time in my day um, to do what I want to be doing. So, um, yeah, so, you know, we, um, we, we like to travel a lot, not that we've been able to do much in the last um, 18 months, but... No, that's that's something we like to do. So we've been able to we've been able to travel a lot um, through you know through doing property. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny when you know I I, I live and breathe property. Um, it's always on my mind. Um, you know, there's always the next deal is on my mind. So when you you know that's that's a that's a good place to be. I think um, uh, if you're doing this sort of thing, is is to you know to be thinking it. Um, not all the time, but you know that's your, that's where your passion wants to be. And obviously, people that come and do Dimpner's course, you know, are doing it for a reason. Um, and generally, you know, I, most people I've met and most people I've engaged with on the community, um, they're passionate about property. You know, that's what they love to do. Um, mm. So, you know, if you've got that passion, uh, things will fall into place for you. Yeah. Now, Tom, you just mentioned the community. How do you view the I Love Real Estate community? Because it's a little bit of a, it's a bit of an interesting one. And everyone, everyone kind of sees things similarities, but I think we all see things a little bit differently as well. How, how would you describe the, the community? Um, oh, I love the community. I um, like it, when I go onto Facebook, um, it's, it's always my notifications are, you know, this person, this person, this person posted on Ultimate. Um, so I always just, I always look through, you know, is there anything I can help? Um, you know, with answering a question for someone um, that might help them out, you know, with the, the benefit of experience. Um, so, you know, I always like doing that, but I also like hearing about people's little successes, um, no matter how small they are, you know, it might be a, a cosmetic reno and they've got an uplift of $100,000 in evaluation, you know, like that, that's the power of, you know, what, what we're achieving as a community and, um, you know, supporting each other. And, and, and it's so positive, um, you know, everyone, is always positive in terms of you know giving feedback to those people. So um, I rarely I've rarely seen a negative comment on um, you know on the on the Facebook site. So it's a very encouraging and supportive place to be. And I think just you know if you've got something to post, post it. Um, if you've had a small success, post it mm. uh, because the encouragement that you get back from that and the feel good you'll get back from that um, you know is is just inspires you to kind of keep going in your journey yeah absolutely absolutely super mm. super positive yeah community 100%. uh now susie has said um 
when you sell a property that you develop, would you still be responsible for the seven-year warranty or would it be the builder? Uh, well, in the first instance, it's the builder. Um, so, and you're also covered with, you know, um, all the builders covered with homeowner's warranty. Um, so that's in case the builder goes broke. Um, but ultimately, yes, if you are the back line of support <laughs> for development. So you need to be sure that, you know, what you're building, um, if, you know, if it all, if it all goes bad, um, your builder goes bad and homeowner's warranty doesn't pay up, um, you know, the buck stops with you as a developer. So there, you know, there is that back end, that back end level of risk. Um, you know, so you, yeah, you, you want to be sure of your builders and, um, you know, your selection of builders when you're, when you're tendering, um, have they got a good track record? Um, uh, you know, their financials are pretty solid. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, um, there's, there's that level of risk in it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And la last one for you as well, Tom, um, if for, for anyone who's like a new student just joining or just thinking about joining, what, what advice would you give them? If they're just starting out, um, what would you say? Don't, um, so the one thing I think I've heard some feedback on is um, people do get overwhelmed um, and that's really easy. Um, that's, and I completely understand how you could become overwhelmed. Um, don't get discouraged um, when you see other people posting, um, you know, success stories um, and thinking that you're not going to get there. Um, small steps, you know, start your journey. Um, you can do stuff the day after you join, you know, you can start adding value to your own property. And, you know, I've seen recently some, um, some great examples of people that have, you know, renovated their own um, PPR. So had to start at that base, you know, to build a base, um, start there and start adding value, you know, adding manufactured growth, even on your own, own property. Um, you know, that's, if you've got the opportunity that to purchase um, a site or a deal, um, obviously start looking at that and make sure you do your research and, and try and find deals that have got something in them um, that can, you know, give you manufactured growth or allow you to do something out of the ordinary um, other than just a standard, um, you know, standard block. Um, but yeah, don't try not to get overwhelmed. Take, um, take each step at a time. And I think, you know, the, the resources on um, ILRE uh, website are fantastic. You know, just take it step by step. Um, you don't want to try and change the world in, you know, in a, in, in a couple of months. Um, just just take your time, um, absorb. The market's not going to go away. There's always going to be deals in the market, um, you know, regardless of where the market's at. There, there's always deals, and there's, you know, as I've found out, there's there's plenty of market, out, um, plenty of money out in the marketplace, mm. um, you know, to help you if you need to. Um, and, and get creative as well. You know, there's, there's lots of creative deals you can do, um, you know, vendor JVs, uh, all sorts of things. So um, start small and, and, and just consolidate on your deals, um, you know, just, just build on your deals. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Tom, that's it. We've, we've, we've gone for about an hour. I think, I think we're pretty much good. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Because... I wanted to, you know, once again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to share. Oh, very welcome. I'm, um, yeah, I'm glad I can, you know, if it helps, um, you know, a few people in the community, I'm more than happy to share. Um, so, yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity, Michael. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure and great to, great to catch up and chat as well. It's, uh, it's been a while. Looking forward to when we can catch up in person as well. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a live event sort of person. So, um, 
uh, yeah, someone asked me about whether I was going to, this is another property group I'm a member of, whether I was going to be on the um, virtual course. And I said, oh, look, I'm, I'm a live event sort of guy. I, like, I just yeah, like to yeah. do live events and, and mixing with people and, and talking property. Um, so, yeah, so I'm looking forward to um, the next boot camp. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Tom, thank you so much. Very much appreciated. Uh, looks like we might end off there. Thank you, everybody, for joining in, both on Facebook, and we have seen some comments, some, some positive comments come back um, uh, to you as well, Tom, from both um, Facebook and also from, um, from Zoom. So um, we will leave it there. Um, have a fantastic Friday afternoon. Um, for anyone who may have missed it this, uh, or you want to review it, this um, uh, interview, the recording, is up on the Facebook group now. That's the ultimate Real Estate Success Members Only Facebook group. So you can always review it there uh, under the featured items or just click on the videos. You'll be able to see that. But other than that, uh, that's it for us for, for actually for the year as well. This is the last interview for 2021. Uh, I think we're going to be doing them again in 2022. So um, have a fantastic uh, afternoon on Friday and also all the best over the uh, holiday season as well. Hope you're all taking care. And um, that's it. I think that's it. We're done, Tom? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks all for the positive comments and have a wonderful Christmas, all those ones. Yep, absolutely. All right. We'll leave it there. And uh, catch up with you next time, hey? Alrighty. That's fine. Thanks, Tom. See you now.